Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, in the second chapter of Revelation, the Apostle John writes this statement that I think really actually stands out or really just sums up what we're going to learn tonight. And it's really one verse, really part of a verse. He writes this. He says, remain faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You can see it's very at the end of that. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Do you all see that in verse 10? Now, I want you to think of this statement, okay? John tells us of Jesus' eternal faithfulness toward us. This is what he's saying. He's saying that God is faithful toward us, and when we're faithful to him, he's going to give us the crown of life. Do you guys see that? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the foundation of all good relationships. Can I get an amen? Let me say that again, because I want that to sink deep in your heart. Faithfulness is the foundation of all good relationships. If we're going to be in a relationship with Jesus, we are to remain faithful to him throughout trials and tribulations in this life. That's really what it's all about. And if we do, in his faithfulness towards us, he will crown us with eternal life. We will be in a relationship with him forever. Now, If you've walked with Jesus long enough, you know that this is not a very easy task. I've been walking with Jesus, and it's, I mean, it's, it's tough. Many, many people like you have encountered, guys, negative experiences because of our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, I believe we're in a world, we're in a culture where, where it's okay to profess Christianity as long as you don't take it a little too far. You understand. It's okay to have a bumper sticker and maybe listen to some Christian radio. Just don't take it too far. But when we do, when we stand out for Jesus, when we stand out and, and, and we pledge our hearts to the King of Kings, guys, think about this. As long as we're living and moving forward, we're all going to understand that there's going to be many struggles and temptations as well as, if you will, potential threats from those who actually hate God. Now, when it comes to faith, we know, too, that while faith is a generous gift from God, we have a duty to develop it by committing ourselves to growing in our relationship with Jesus every day. Yes, Rosa, it's a gift, but we have to work at it. You go, well, like what? Well, let me just give you one example. Time doesn't permit me to give you all the examples, but one is a a, a daily prayer, a daily prayer life where we're praying. The Bible tells that you and I should pray without ceasing. That means we should constantly be in an attitude of prayer. And when we pray, guys, we, we want to get in a habit of what? Of just daily praying, talking to God throughout the day, asking him for his guidance, asking him where we should go, how we should respond. 
I know many times, Brother Joe, that when I haven't walked with God, it seems like that's when I get in trouble with people. But when I'm asking the Lord, okay, help me to respond properly. Help me to do this. So, how's your prayer life? How's it going? See, because that's what a relationship is. And I love the fact that when we have a relationship with God, we can go at the end of the day, and we can go to our beds, and we can lay our, our heads down, and we can be thanking him for the graces that he gave us throughout the day. Thank you, Lord. Before the snoring starts, you can ask his forgiveness for whatever failings you might have experienced And then also by praying for the graces upon various people that we have met through that day. This is what a faithful relationship looks like and what it does. Faithful relationship. Now, Ben, why are you sharing this? Why are you sharing Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, when we're in Genesis chapter 50? Here's why. I believe, guys, I believe that that, that sharing this is it, it illustrates the walk of Jacob and Joseph in chapter 50. No matter what, they were faithful till the end. And here's my exhortation to you, precious saints of God. It's not where we start, but where we finish. I'm praying that you finish well. There's going to be many obstacles in your way. There's going to be many things that are going to trip you up, that want to have you to quit. There's going to be many things in your life that are going to want to just, oh, be frustrating. Don't quit. Finish the race well. This is what he's saying. This is what I believe, no matter what. Guys, we're talking about two Totally different men who went through a lot of things they go through. But think about Jacob. I want you to, we're going to talk about his life a little bit. But think about Joseph. Joseph at 17 was thrown in a pit by his family, by his brothers. And if that wasn't enough, he's dragged out and he was sold to slavery. The Midianites coming, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Let me, let me have a little bit of cashola in my pocket. Bye, Joe. And there he goes. And if that wasn't enough, poor Joe ends up in prison because of something he didn't do. Joe. That's enough to call it quits. That's enough to say, I'm done. That's enough to say, I'm out of here. That's enough to say, God, this is what you do to guys like me. I'm just trying to serve you. I'm just trying to love you. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to follow you, God. The Lord reminds us they're real people in the Bible and they had real struggles, but they were, help me church, faithful till the end. They were faithful. They remained faithful. Now, think about Jacob. Think about Jacob. Everybody put your thinking caps on. In the final two chapters, as we came to the end of Jacob's life, he's very, very old. Jacob knew his time on earth had, had almost come to an end. And don't you just love that? Don't you just love? You just know. You just know this is it. Okay, I've lived. I'm 147. (sighs) 
See, when it comes to death, guys, it's the ones that are unexpected that hurt the most. But Jacob knows. He knows. And so what does he do? Before he dies, he says, man, I want to say, I want to say a few final words to both his sons and Joseph's sons. Now, let me encourage you. We may not have that deathbed opportunity. So what should I do? Guys, say those final words to the people you love now. Tell them you love them. Tell them you forgive them. Tell them, tell them you were not a good dad and that you are sorry and that you'll make it up. And how wonderful that would be if you made it to 147 and you had all your family around and you were able to say, this is you and here's you and you. But we live in such a different world. You go, Ben, what are you doing? I'm encouraging you guys to just to, to live at peace with people even today. So last week, what did he do? Jacob calls his boys in. Come on in. Come on, sons. Come here. Come here, sons. All 12. He started, Reuben, Reuben, you're the oldest. And he went all the way down to Benjamin. And he gave them both blessings and cursings. You know, Reuben, you're unstable as water. You're unstable as water, Reuben. You're not, you're not stable at all, man. And he comes all the way down. And so he utters these prophecies. And, and if you recall, remember, we, we looked at Hebrews real quick, but, but it said that Jacob was sitting up in his bed with his feet on the floor, leaning on his staff. So he was in bed. He's <sighs> dying of getting old, but he gets up and he, and he's leaning on his staff in bed, and he's, and he's blessing the boy. You guys got that mental picture in your mind? And, and I thought it was very interesting. Why? Because when he's finished, he drew back his feet, he went back into bed, he breathed his last, the Bible said, and he was gathered to his people. I don't know about you, but I think that's a cool way to go out. Hey, let me, let me bless you, bless you, bless you. I get to, God love you, God bless you, I forgive you, Okay. Boom. To be in the presence with the Lord, right? Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? Okay? But I want you to think about Jacob's life for just a moment. You go, how so? Jacob came out of the womb, guys, in all sorts of directions. You guys remember Jacob? Okay? He was trying to catch Esau, his Brother, right? He kept pulling on his heel. I want to go out first. Later on, we see him actually running from his, right? Running from his brother's wrath, right? You know, he, he stole the blessing in the, oh my goodness, it was a mess. And he ran all the way to Badanaram, if you recall, and there he had to run away from his uncle Laban. We followed his life. Jacob, guys, was always running. His feet were always moving. But what I find interesting, even tonight, that the Bible said that he put his feet up and he finally found rest. He no longer needed his staff. And he spent his life running, but God brought him to rest in the end. I don't know what you're going through here tonight. I don't know what difficulties you might face. I don't know what, what's going on at your jobs or at your house or, or health issues or whatever it might be. But may I encourage you, never take God out of the equation. 
And although he doesn't come up in the forefront and he's not at the front of the scenes and sometimes we feel like we can't feel him or see him, he's still working behind the scenes because at the end of Jacob's day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, guys, God gave him rest. And although the life for Jacob was tough, you guys know that, I believed he remained faithful to the end. No matter what came Jacob's way, he remained faithful to the Lord. And I believe this should be our life's motto. No matter what, Lord, I will remain faithful. No matter what, I will remain faithful. Why? Church, listen to me. Nobody remains faithful anymore. They're not faithful to anything anymore. They move and they jump from here to there and they get tired of this and that. And, and our motto should be, no matter what, Okay, you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I understand. I understand there are times that we want to quit the Christian walk. I understand we want to quit the Christian race. I get it. But our motto should be, no matter what, I will remain faithful. Now, with that in our mind, our intro really is verse 33 of chapter 49. Let's take a look. This is our intro. It said, And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into his bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Now, here we go. Chapter 50, verses 1 through 3. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required of those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned him for 70 days. Now, we've been hanging out with Jacob for a while. Really, Joseph, but Jacob has been in the picture. Now, here's what we've learned. We've learned that he's passed. Okay? And Joseph shows us how much he loves his dad. Why? Because right after dad dies, Joseph falls on him and he weeps and he kisses him. And I'm trying to picture in my mind, in my office, what a beautiful picture that would be. Dad's gone. And Jacob is kissing him. And he's weeping. I think as we can relate to this, I think we can all relate to this. It's really hard to lose someone down here. Papa Jacob was 147 years old, and yet I'm pretty sure that Jacob and his, or Joseph and his brothers are going to miss dad. And I love the fact that I got to hang out with Joseph because he shows us the heart the heart, guys, that was only changed by God. You see, I don't think at 17, Joseph had the heart, the same heart he has now. I think that's the whole beauty of the Christian walk, is that God continues to develop our heart and our walks and our lives and, and how awesome it is every single day and how closer we get to God. And now, Dad, he's gone. He's gone. And he weeps. It's okay, church, listen to me. It's okay to mourn those that have gone before us. 
We have so many emotions when death happens, guys, that we don't even know how to do. Well, be tough. Be tough. Come on. Handle it like a champ. Be tough. Okay, don't cry. Men, don't cry. But, but, but it's okay to mourn because we're going to miss them. But what we need to understand, guys, is there's a difference between mourning and there's a difference to mourn, to not mourn like those who have no hope. That's what Paul tells us in writing to the Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. You guys know this, but he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like those who have no hope. What's that? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe when Jesus returned, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So guess what? Losing someone on this earth is painfully hard. It's painful. Death, this side of heaven, is permanent. You don't see him again. You don't talk to them again. It's hard. But it's not like we have, it's not like we don't have any hope. See, as believers, we know, everybody say no, we'll see him again. We'll see him again. For Christians, let me just say this, it's not goodbye, it's I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And I'm looking forward to, guys, a great family reunion in heaven one day. Well, pastor, you need to say that. You're the pastor. You work for God. No, no, no. Here, here's the deal. This is how we should all be, just excited for that great family reunion. This week was one of those especially hard weeks when you have an unexpected death. And for me, it was on Monday evening when I got a call from a very close family friend, very close brother, and somebody that I loved very much took his final breath on earth. And as my friend's telling me this, and he's crying, and he's crying, and I'm trying to comfort him, you see, my friend who passed had was born with cerebral palsy. And so all his life, he couldn't speak very good, although he could communicate, and he couldn't walk, and he was in a wheelchair. And the one thing that came to mind when my friend's telling me about his death is, wow, he's running in heaven now. And he's speaking, and he's whole, and he's, wow. But on the other line, my friend's still crying. And so I understand that. It's okay to mourn down here. That's what he did. Just today, another young lady who used to attend the fellowship many years ago that I've kept in contact um, was just messaged me on Facebook and asked me to pray for her family because her mom just took her breath, her final breath, about three hours ago. It seems like it's part of life, is it not? And we mourn and we're sad. But as believers, we're going to see him again. 
That's, that's what I want you to take away. I want you to go, yes, I have hope. I have hope. We've all lost somebody very, very special. Very, very dear to us. We've all, we've all gone through that. As many of you know, I lost my mom when I was, when I was 18 months old. I'll see her again. I lost my sister when I was 13 years old. I'll see her again. My niece. People that are close. These are, these are people that are close. You understand. We've, we're, we're, all, we're all in the same family. We all go through it. And so there's nobody going here, man, you don't understand. No, I, I understand. And I know that I mourn, but I don't mourn like those with no hope. For I will see them again. So this great friend of mine, that went to be with Jesus on Monday, I'll see him again. Now, the way I saw him in earth, I probably won't recognize him that way in heaven. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Guys, I know I'm getting off here, but don't fear death. For the believer, it's, it's simply a transition to be with the God that created us. So what does Joe do? Joe, he commands them. Let's embalm him. You go, why would they embalm him? He's not really Egyptian. Well, guys, the trip back to Canaan is going to take three weeks. Remember, Dad said, promise me that, that I don't want to be buried here. Bury me back where I, where I... Well, it's going to take three weeks. Guess what would happen? In the hot desert sun there, guess what would happen? The body would definitely decompose. So what I love about Joseph, guys, and if you're taking note, think about this. Another part of Joseph we get to see, I see right here, is that he thinks about others. He's others-oriented. He didn't just go, Dad, Dad, you made me promise, let's go. He's going, okay, so I know what's going to happen. Dad, listen, Dad, let me, we're going to embalm you. And I promise, Dad, I promise I'll take you, but we've got to do this because I want to make sure that you make it fine. So he embalms them, right? Now, Keep this in mind. It took the Egyptians a 40-day process to embalm a body. 40 days. And then, per their, um, just how the Egyptians did, they, they took another 30 days to mourn. This is why the Word of God declares, guess what? 70 days of mourning. 40 for the embalming and 70 days. Now, what I find interesting, just for my Bible students out there, because of Joseph's position. What is he, guys? He is the prime minister of Egypt, right? He's the second in command. Guess what? He had the highest state, uh, the highest level state funeral that you could have. They only mourned him two days less than an actual pharaoh. So it was like, wow, this is Joe. I mean, this is not a pharaoh. This is Jacob. But then the thought came to mind. Here it is. I thought, wow, I want to live my life in such a way to impact those around me. I want to live my life like Joseph, that others would benefit from our faithfulness to God. That's what I want to do. You see, as Joseph was being faithful to God, as he kept his eyes on God, even through adversity, church, listen to me, even though he kept his eyes on God, the benefits were going to far outweigh any of that because think about 
The boys come and they get to live in the land of Goshen. They get the best jobs out there. And now dad gets like the high-class funeral that he deserves. Wow. Wow. Your faithfulness to the Lord is for others as they see that. As they see that. It goes on in verse 4 and says, And now the days of the morning were sure were, were, were past. Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak to the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father has made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan, which you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. Now, the one thing, guys, I want you to catch this. The one thing that stands out from this, he's just saying, this is what dad asked me to do. But he waits, he waits until the morning period is over. Okay? And what I find, and I think it's so cool because we can apply this, the amount of respect that Joseph has for Pharaoh. Do you guys see that? As believers, as Christians, we need to respect our bosses. We need to respect those in authority, those who God has placed in authority in our lives. We respect the office of our bosses. We respect the office of our president. Well, I don't agree with him. We respect that because as believers, that's what we're called to do. Well, he's not doing a good job. Well, then pray for him just like Romans, like Romans says. But the point is, guys, is that, is that when we, when we look for kinks in our boss's armor to try to bring them down, now we're no better. You see, because that's not what God has called us to do. He calls us to lift them up. He calls them to, to make them better. Well, I don't think they should be the boss. I think I should be the boss. Well, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, then you need to trust God. You need to trust God to get you in that position. Do your job, work hard, and trust Him. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. One time, Nathalie and I were um, traveling to Taos, and we had went to spend a weekend. And this was years, 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 a lot of years ago. And I remember flipping through the channels, and there was a young kid on the Christian station that was talking about pastoring a church. And I remember just kind of thinking, wow. And I know that God had put that in my heart, and I was like, and he was talking about a church, and I remember thinking, Lord, am I ever going to pastor a church? Am I ever going to be that, Lord? I mean, I know you put that in my heart, but right now I feel like I'm going in, sir, I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I just don't understand. Where am I going to? Now, I realize that now, looking back, I'm like, okay. Okay, God, I just, I just need to trust you. just need to trust you. Joe, Joe, Joe says, my father made me swear an oath. He said, listen, I'm about to die. Take my body back to the land of Canaan. And, and, what, is, and what does he do? And says, he says, Pharaoh, please allow me to go do this. And after the burial, he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. Pharaoh says, okay, go honor your promise. Think about the relationship that Joseph had to have with the Pharaoh. 
I'm pretty sure Joe was well off at this point. I'm pretty sure he could have made it in the land of Canaan. He had his family. He had all his brothers. I mean, I'm pretty sure. But they trusted each other, and Joe says, I'm going to come back. I have a responsibility. Pharaoh says, okay. Look at verse 17. So Joe, Joe, Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the eldest of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as the house of Joseph, his brothers and his father's house. Only, only the little ones and their flocks and their herds left in, were left in the land of Goshen. And they went up with him, both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan. And they mourned there with a great, great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the inhabitants of the land of Canaan saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore, the name is called Abel Mezarim, which is beyond the Jordan. So what happens? He takes him back. Joseph has not returned to the land of Canaan for 39 years, guys. But he comes in with a huge honor guard. He comes in with, with the servants of Egypt. He comes in. Can you imagine the funeral procession and this deal? And they're carrying dad. They're carrying dad. And they stopped along the way. It's kind of the border, sort of Jericho, they were saying. Um, they stopped along the way. Uh, to mourn the place called Abel Mezarim, meaning the morning of Egypt. And, and I've started, okay, so, so think about it, guys. Here's this great funeral procession, and they're like, look, look at the, basically they're saying, look at the funeral. Look, wow, who was that dude? Oh, oh, it's, it's Abel Mezarim. It's the morning of the Egyptians. Look, he's, he's embalmed. Okay, okay, huh. And then I started to think about this, guys. I started to think because, the people in Canaan observed this funeral, and they even named the place. But then I started to think, what about us? And then Solomon came to mind. Because Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, notice what he says. He says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. You go, what does that mean? Well, Solomon, the wisest man apart from Jesus, says it's better to go to funerals because it makes you contemplate and think about life. It's far better to go to funerals than to parties. I like going to parties because when I go to parties, I get my dance, I get my girl. I'm not thinking about, but if I go to a funeral, it goes, oh, I think about my own mortality. Am I right with God? Am I right with God? God have... How have we been late? Are we talking? Are we talking, God? Have we, have we talked lately? Okay, okay, okay. So they see a funeral. I wonder if it does the same for us, man. Maybe next time we see, maybe see a, a, a hearse going down the road, we kind of go, okay, Lord, I know. Help me, help me, Lord. Help me to witness to my friends and help me to love people. Help me to forgive people. Help me to smile more and laugh. Help me to text my friends. How you doing? You put them on my heart for a reason. You guys know what I'm talking about? Knowing 
knowing where we're headed keeps us more in the moment down here. Well, it goes on in verse 12. It says, The son did for him just as he had commanded them. For the sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him at the cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite. We've gone through all of that as a property for the burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt and his brothers and all who had went up to bury his father. So now they come back. Now they come back. Now, here's what you need to understand. There's a shift in the narrative. We just buried dad. We just buried dad. Okay, so after we buried dad, we had the meal. Okay, everybody's at, now we're going back home. Everybody's going home. Okay, what happens after a funeral, guys? We just kind of return to life, don't we, Rosa? We just kind of go back to doing our thing. We go to work. This is kind of what's happening. But there's a shift in the narrative. There's a shift because something's brewing inside the heart of the boys. Check it out. It's It's been said, guys, and you can jot this down if you're a fast writer, a guilty conscience is not easily appeased. You go, what do you mean? Well, look at verse 15. When Joseph's brother saw their father was dead, they said, quote, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil we did to him, end quote. Do you guys see that? This is key. You go, why? Because earlier, Joseph had freely forgiven his brothers. We saw that back in chapter 45. Hey, I forgive you. Dad's dead. What if Joseph really didn't forgive us? What if he's going to repay us for everything? Whoa. See, the boys still felt guilty and, and still were fearful. But Joseph had experienced the grace of God and was able to be gracious to his brothers. Guys, knowing God's grace... We must not only forgive others, but we must do them good as well. Let me just say this. When you experience the grace of God in your life, you tend to extend that same grace. Well, Ben, I have a question. Why are some people so mean then? I don't know if they've experienced fully the grace of God. Because you know why? There's something inside of me called P-R-I-D-E. It's pride. And sometimes it makes me want to feel like I did something to deserve salvation. I did. Uh, me and God were really, really tight. I'm, I'm really good with God. I'm a pastor. We tend to feel that way when we realize that there's nothing good in us. And the God's grace is simply God's grace. And when I realized that though I was a sinner and that Christ died for me, I can freely freely extend that. So what do they do? Verse 16, they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of your servants of of the God of your father. And Joseph wept. When he spoke to him. So now they're, now, so again, think about what they just said. They said, hey, when dad died, he said, 
Don't be mean, right? <laughs> Please forgive him. And, and, and here's, what I, here's some things that we can glean from this. Here's what I love. I love, number one, that they acknowledge they did it. Do you guys see that? They acknowledge. They go, hey, we, we were evil to you. We were awful. I did it. I think that's important. I think it's so important that we acknowledge, guys, the things that we do. Man, I did that. I'm so sorry. The problem is, is that when we do something not so cool, we get called in it. Well, you're supposed to be a Christian, and you're going, yeah, but I never said I was perfect. I'm, I'm just asking you for forgiveness. Did the boys do evil to him? Yeah. And they acknowledged it. I like that they asked for forgiveness because they said, will you please forgive the trespass? Even though Joseph had already did that. So, you know, I mean, again, he's like, okay, what's this from? But here's my question, guys. I don't know if you're thinking like me. Did Joseph really say this? Because I have nowhere in Scripture that Joseph actually said this. I mean, that Jacob actually said this. Did he, you know, did he say, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin? Maybe. Maybe along the line. We don't have it recorded, but I just put there, did he really? I, I don't know. They're coming into Joseph because they're what? They're afraid. And on that topic of being afraid, doesn't it make us do crazy things? Doesn't fear make us do crazy things? Dad's, dad's in, in, the, in the grave and they're freaked out about Joseph. That's what fear does. It makes us do crazy things. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, did he? He wants us to trust him with all of our hearts. So verse 18, what happens? And then his brothers also went and fell before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Now I draw your attention to the boys because they come in and what do they do? They fall before Joseph. And I just thought, what an act of humility, isn't it? They just come in and they're, they're just the humility of the boys. We're your servants. Once they see Joseph weeping, the brothers feel secure enough to approach him. To approach him. Notice what Joseph says. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Now, here's what I want you to do. Write in your Bibles, this is a radical statement. This is a radical statement, right? Because he says, are you serious? Am I in the place of God? And I love how Joseph looks at life. Why? Because he's the prime minister of Egypt. Guys, you understand that? But he says, I'm certainly not in the place of God. Don't be afraid, fellas. I'm not. I think this is radical. Am I in the place of God? Now, let me step out of our comfort zone for just a moment. Let me just step on some toes for a little bit. Cool. Everybody get your toes out. Because sometimes we assume that position, don't we? We tend to speak for God. We tend to be His Holy Spirit. You should, you shouldn't, you should, you should. How come you're doing this? And how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us actually give God advice? God, you should do this. You should have done that. God, how come you didn't do this? Lord, you should have done. And we tend to, I love that Joseph says, am I in the place of God? I'm not in the place of God. I'll let him take care of what he's going to take care of, and I'll do my business. Paul tells us, Paul tells us what's our business. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, I'm just, listen, 
And I'm going to go to heaven one day, but while I'm here, I've got to work. I'm going to, tell you, I'm going to tell you about the one that can save you, the one that can come into your heart and do an incredible work. Verse 20. But as for you, guys, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about to this day to save many people alive. Now, I want you to catch the statement once again, okay? Because I want you to see two truths. I want you to see two truths, Joe. Here's the truth. The truth is, he tells them, you meant it for evil. Was that truth? That's truth. You guys meant it for evil. But the greater truth is this, but God meant it for good. That's the greater truth. When it comes to our lives as believers, guys, we need to stand upon the greater truth. Why? Because the truth of the matter is, y'all are sinners. But the greater truth is that Jesus died for sinners, and he saves you from your sin, and he's got a plan for your life. That's the greater truth. Where are you standing? It's all true, but I want to stand on the greater truth. So Rosa, next time the enemy comes and goes, you're a sinner, you go, amen, I know. But the greater truth is that that's why Jesus died. That's the greater truth. He can't fight the greater truth. Well, you're a mess up. I know. Well, you're this and that. I know. Well, you're not nice. I know. Thank God that Jesus died because I would be nowhere without him. You understand. I'm all those things, but in Jesus, I'm not. Don't worry about it, guys. There's no retelling. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I like what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Notice what he says. He says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I love that, right? So, man, you know what? We're not in the place of God. We'll just leave it to him. Let's leave it to him. Yeah, what if somebody wrongs us? What if somebody hurts us? What if somebody's mean to us? What if somebody... We'll trust the Lord. Lord, you take care of that. You take care of that. I don't want to take revenge, Lord. You take revenge. You take take care of that, Lord. Notice with me verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid, for I will provide for you and your little ones and be comforted as as he spoke kindly to them. Now, here's what I love about this. When the brothers heard Joseph's response, they came in, they threw themselves down as slaves, and again, Joseph calmed their fears. He was not going to assume the role of God or judge his brothers. He had, God had overruled their evil intent, settling them in Egypt, and brought good out of it. So God's plan for saving the lives of the covenant people. So Joseph reassured his brothers with these kind words, promising, guys, I'm going to continue to bless you. I'm going to provide for you. It's okay. It's okay. I love the fact that Joseph is compared to Jesus so much because I know that the Lord Jesus is saying to you, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Just, re- just remain faithful to the end. Just be faithful to the end. You'll get the crown of life. Just remain faithful. I know it's going to be hard, Joe. I know there's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be uncertainties. There's going to be all these things in your life. Nothing that you haven't experienced thus far. 
but I want you to remain faithful to me. Don't leave me. Trust me. Trust me. Now, as we close our study and we end this amazing book, we actually end it with another death because it shifts to where Joseph dies. Whatever happened in between, look at verse 22. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. That's Grandpa Joe right there. The children of Makar, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Jacob, Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt, and that's the last we have of the book of Genesis, where Joseph dies. Fifty-four years after Jacob died, Joseph dies. But Genesis does close with a promise. It was a promise that Joseph gave his family. He says this, God will surely visit you. God will visit you. See, in the centuries to come, Israel would grow into a great nation. But one day, old Joe, old Joseph, he's going to be forgotten. And the people will become slaves. After 400 years, God's going to send them a great deliverer. Do you know who that is? Moses. Moses. But what I love is that as Genesis closes, guys, and we get ready to partake in communion, this actually points to even a greater deliverance. That of all mankind... From sin. You see, it was through the ultimate Son of God's promise. Because Jesus was actually foretold in Genesis 3.15. He would deliver us from sin. He would rescue us. So here's the, the last thought I'd like to leave you with, guys, as we partake in communion. You go, what's that? Please, please, please remain faithful. Remain faithful. Then you will get the crown of life. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love and how amazing you are. And Lord, even now, we bless your holy name. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, as we come into just a time, just a time of reflection,
in communion. The band is going to lead us, but more importantly, as the lights go down, and this is a time for you to just, just get right with God. I often liken it to we come into we come into the to the church guys and we've been walking in the world and we have dirt on us and so forth and here's the place where we come and we go God I'm sorry I've messed up I'm dirty I always liken communion guys to the fact that I want to look within. To look within my heart and see, God, where am I with you? Am I okay? Have I walked away from you, Lord? Am I? Which leads me to always think about, Lord, where are we now? Look at the beautiful stuff you've done. And so I always look back and I'm reminded of how faithful he has been to me. And last but not least, guys, I'm going to look forward. Because right now, we just, have, we just have a small group that we do communion with here on earth. But one day, we're going to do it all together with him in heaven. And that's what we look forward to. So we always say, next, next time in heaven, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.